My name is Flavio Laviano. I am the cinematographer of Jungle Cruise, and this is Co-Creative Show. Hello, and welcome to the Co-Creative Show, a podcast for filmmakers. My name is Ben Consoli, and today we speak with Flavio Laviano, the director of photography of Jungle Cruise. Flavio, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm very pleased to be here and being invited. Thank you very much. I just finished watching the movie just like five minutes ago. And, you know, thank you and your team for giving me a screener to watch it ahead of time. It's really fun. It's really cool. The cinematography is great. And there's a lot of scenes in there uh, that I'd love to ask you about. And we'll get to all of it. But before we get there, I just want to um, remind you all of our sponsor today, MZ, Empowering Filmmakers. I'll be talking more about them later in the show. And of course, follow us on your favorite podcast app, as well as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and all things Go Creative Show at gocreativeshow.com. So I didn't really know anything about Jungle Cruise when I watched it, kind of by design. I don't really like to learn much about it ahead of time. I want to go into films fresh. And I obviously knew of some of the stars. I knew Dwayne Johnson was in there and Emily Blunt was in there. But I was surprised to see Jesse Plemons and uh, Paul Giamatti. I mean, what a cast this movie has. What was your experience like working with these guys? These are all powerhouse actors and uh, just such A-listers. Like, this is a huge, huge movie. And what was the experience like working with them? Well, my experience, you know, the pretty much the bigger the actor is, the easiest is to work with in my, generally my modest career. So, you know, what's... Really? Uh, yeah. The bigger so, they are, the easier they are to work with, you found? Well, you know, there are levels and levels, but I mean, those guys, especially, you know, the, they were such a characters in the movie and everybody represented something on the story. And, you know, apart from the three main characters of the movie, the other, other ones just, you know, came in and came out. And so it was a lot of fun and a lot of, of stuff to learn from them, you know, because uh, as I said before, yeah. you know, it was just a pleasure, a pleasure to, to have such a, such a cast in front of the camera. You know? Have you worked with any of them before? Or was this your first time with them? Uh, yeah, no, I haven't. No, none of them. No, no. It was the first time, first time, yeah. Are, are you the type of person that ever gets starstruck? I mean, I know you're, you've been doing this for quite a while. You've worked with tons of huge celebrities, big movies, but do you still ever get a little bit of that nervousness the first time a celebrity of that kind of level comes on set? Yeah, of course. I mean, we have, we know, we have pretty much Dwayne and Emily every day. And, you know, I've never been, I've never done a movie of this big, of this kind of budget. So yeah, especially at the beginning, you always get this kind of thrill. And But at the end, you know, as I said before, they're all very professionals and and I've been very lucky with it. So, so far, you know, they, they know what they're doing and it's very inspiring for for the rest of us to, to try to help them you know, to, to develop what the characters are. At the beginning, when you first, you know, signed on to this project, um, Jungle Cruise, what were you most nervous about? Well, you know, the movie, um, you know, Jama brought me into the movie. Jama, the director, brought me into the movie. And, well, basically, was the big challenge was that we, we had to shoot the whole movie in a tank in, in Atlanta, you know, in the parking lot. So that was kind of 
challenging. And even though the first act happens all in Hawaii on location, still the boat or the submarine or any, anything, any of the actual boats and actual, never ever got there. So it was very hard to try to match, you know, something like something you suit in, in this top lighting Atlanta's kind of summer into that Amazon and into that whole river and try to create that atmosphere. That was pretty much the most difficult things in the most of land with it, especially also with, of course, with the help of all the visual effects thing, you know, who were very, yeah. you know, very helpful. So you were most concerned with just the fact that so much of this takes place in a boat on the river. I mean, that that has to pose so many challenges. Uh, have you ever done anything like that before in your career? Or was this kind of a new, you know, new type of filmmaking? For, for, I mean, for some strange reason, uh, I've done a movie in a plane. I've done a movie with a woman in a rock. I've done a movie with another woman on a van. So for some reason, I'm just kind of get used to that. So, but, <laughs> so I think they keep on calling me because of, I'm, do, I'm doing a movie now with, with the whole movie happens inside the car. So I don't know. I'm just getting used to the, those, those projects. <laughs> I guess they catalogize you that direction, you know. But yeah, I mean, the, the you're, project, you're the, the, you're the guy for projects like this, I guess. Yeah. The only one I haven't done is in an elevator yet. So I hope, I hope that doesn't happen, but probably haven't done a movie in an elevator. But in any other thing that moves, flies, or, or sails, I've done it. <laughs> so, but, I mean, not really was the challenge of shooting a movie in a boat. As I said before, was the challenge of shooting a movie in a boat against blue in a parking lot in Atlanta and try to bring all that into, into the actual exotic Amazon, you know, and whatever that requires. You know. That was, at the beginning, I was very kind of... I don't know, astonished and also a little bit scared, as you say, like how we're going to make this match, you know, because, you know, I, pretty much 80% of the movie was done on a, on a, on a tank, on a water tank against blue, yeah. you know. So that's, I, I never done that this before. Well, I did another movie with Jalma called The Shallows, in which we shot again 80% of the movie on a tank. It was supposed to be the ocean. I don't know if you know that movie, but it was with this, you know, the, the shark and surfer and all that. And then we did that all also in the tank. So I, well, I had a little bit more, had a little bit of experience on, on how to figure out how to prep, how to actually match this with the place later, how to do morning, afternoon, sun, uh, cloudy, all those things were done in the same spot. So that required a lot of, mm. a lot of prep. Oh yeah. And I can imagine, cause you had to create so many different looks like throughout the film, there's a really, heavy, deep, kind of warm orange feel throughout most of the film. But then there are times, like in the scenes, uh, there's a scene that's kind of like a, a whitewater rafting scene where the boat is like almost going off the edge of a cliff where it's overcast and it's it's gray and it is very cool. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have the scene at the end where kind of this, the when you're inside of the tree and everything goes purple, I mean, you have some really strong colors in this film and how did you approach sort of creating and, and, and infusing color in your cinematography? Well, well, by doing a lot of prep, basically, by doing a lot of prep. You know, we, me and Jauma are normally, I mean, we work very well collaborative. So we just start to 
to just kind of dissect the movie and go through every palette of the movie, what we could do with it. And then we just apply. Sometimes you succeed, sometimes you don't succeed. But, you know, we would, I, was, I, was, I really wanted to take risks in, in the color this time. I didn't want to do like one plain color. So basically how it works is you start to, uh, to, to define which colors you don't want into a palette. And then from there on, everything goes easier. But, I mean, we went through the whole thing. Like, I thought, you know, especially because most of the movies against green, we call the jungle, you know, so we, we had to go somewhere which will, you know, kind of separate the actors from the actual green screen and from the yeah. actual 3D screens. So, and also, you know, there wasn't, I had, you know, this kind of, this kind of classic adventure movies in the past that I've seen in my childhood and I always laugh. For some reason, you know, in these exotic places, they always were able to kind of photograph the heat, which I don't think is very, very easy to do. So we, we went into that direction in some of these locations and some of these countries I've been before in which you actually, you know, the sun is very bright and the colors are very, you know, not saturated, but very alive. And and we basically, you know, went into that duration. I mean, also we started in London. We didn't want to do a cloudy London. I think people are, I think we're all very tired to see this foggy, cloudy London. So we wanted to have it in London, yeah. London in the summer, which is beautiful, by the way. So we tried to start from there to to separate, you know, separate the primary colors and have it like an old kind of Kodachrome look in London. And also Paco, the costume designer, helped us a lot with the costumes to try to separate. And yeah, we started from there, from the first act, then they went to the Amazon. Then again, you know, we went to this warm, warm look. And there were sort of scenes also with it, like a dawn and early morning, and, but they never end up in the cut. But those were also, yep. those were also very, very challenging to do it all again, that in the, in the same parking lot, it was very difficult. So we, we know you have to pretty much, you know, to do clouds, you have to put huge, you know, huge silks on a big, so it's just, I think it's again, um, by pretty much prepping the movie and trying to, to tell the story with, with color, which is not, not very easy because you can also make big mistakes, you know. But I, I guess, you know, we are using the theory of color that normally exists, you know. I mean, this is the first time in my life that I use magenta, but I think it was the only way to, to represent the, the flowers. So we went into that direction, who was kind of risky. But I think it works. There's something that you don't see much in the screen on movies. And then I think it's something surreal or something fantastic or magic that that flower would be this magenta pink kind of tone, you know. Yeah, I think it absolutely worked because you've set you set such a realistic color tone leading up to that point in this feeling of heat. And then all of a sudden now you've got this really wild kind of purpley magenta color that just really stands out and supports the story and just is beautiful to look at. So, um, yeah, I, I think the color story in the film is, is just awesome. Uh, we've got a question from Instagram on May, uh, mango shake wants to know, and I think this is a good question. Did you take any visual inspiration from the ride? Because jungle cruise is a classic Disneyland, Disney World ride. So people kind of have an idea in their mind of what they're going to see, um, having you know been to the park if they have. How much of a role did that ride play in the look of the film for you? 
Well, I mean, not much because, as I said before, you know, uh, when you go to the ride, you just experiment whatever, 30 minutes or 40 minutes of daylight. And that's just what you experiment, which is, you know, it's the jungle, but you're still in Anaheim, so it's not really uh, not the same thing as being in Brazil, as you probably know. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, I mean, we did within in a way that, you know, I mean, don't forget that the, the actual, you know, the Jungle Cruise ride was inspired by by the African Queen, you know, the movie from John Houston. So I think this one came from the other. So at the yeah, end, yeah, yeah. At the end, this whole uh, the idea of of taking of taking a boat and go on an adventure, you know, I think. Well, the other other movies, other movies who have inspired more, in my in my opinion, like all the seventies kind of all the all the movies I basically saw when I was growing up and going to the theaters and seeing these huge, you know, anamorphic huge screens in exotic places. And I don't, I don't want to go back to *Romance in the Stone*, *The African Queen*, because those are. But I mean, I remember movies when I was a kid when I saw *The Wind and the Lion* or something from Milius. Or, you know, the man who could be king from Houston, all those great, even, you know, even David Lean with all those big, like, epic, huge movies. That was pretty much the idea that John yeah. and me wanted to do. I mean, we, this was kind of an, an ominous, but as well, we were thinking, like, I mean, if people watch the movie, will they remember the time when movies were made kind of a more organic way and more into, into this yeah. huge kind of size and... and that was more what I saw when I was growing up in the theaters, what inspired me to, to actually apply here. Well, watching Jungle Cruise, I sort of felt, I got like Indiana Jones vibes. You know what I mean? Yes. Like that that seemed to me like it was a, a pretty strong inspiration. I'm curious if it was. Christopher Sousa on Instagram is asking as well. And it, just watching it, it kind of gave me that feeling. Not just the cinematography, but the music, kind of the the look, yes. of it, the production design. Everything was kind of giving me that Indiana Jones feel. Was it an inspiration for you? Yeah, of course, of course. I mean, I grew up, you know, with those three. I even did second unit on the fourth one with. I even shot second unit oh, on no the way. fourth. Yeah, I did. Yeah, with Janus, he brought me to do second unit on the fourth one. Yeah, of course, those are those are just in your system. There's no way you cannot. But this being a genre of a romantic comedy. I think it's a little bit, uh, it's much more going into that kind of point that the actual hero, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah, the actual adventure hero who, you know, which more in Diana Guns is, you know, I think there is a lot of romantic scenes. Not all of them are, end up in, this, in the actual cut, but yeah. I was trying to, to have the idea that, you know, that how to show a romantic comedy in an exotic place. That was the, the, the look. But of course, you know, Indiana Jones and even Pirates and even Star Wars and even all those huge 70s success are all are all in your probably you you use them and you're not even you're not even conscious for using those references, no? Yeah. But well, I mean there, there's a, I mean, there's a movie called, you know, you must know this movie, The Wind and the Lion, which is Sean Connery and John Milius movie that is about kind of it's kind of, you know, the romantic comedy between two characters that are just fighting and they become at the end, pretty much so. That was trying to go in, into that direction. But again, it's all big and amorphic, and we use, you know, we use a lot of old glass to try to get that, that thing. So we we had, um, we actually 
rebuild the lenses with someone in, in Panavision, Dan Sasaki, who will help us a lot to kind of uh, choose the old glass and the warmer glass. And then we, we set up a bunch of anamorphic lenses. Which I think they, they came out pretty, pretty beautiful, you know, usually that. So you had mentioned that you worked second unit on Indiana Jones 4, and I wanted to talk to you about the relationship between the director of photography and the second unit. Um, I imagine that you had a pretty robust second unit in Jungle Cruise, just a guess, because there were so many like large, sweeping, beautiful landscape shots and so forth. Um, so I'd love to just hear your experience working with second unit. How do you maybe divide the work and what the relationship was on Jungle Cruise? Well, again, this movie um, wasn't not, we didn't have really a big, big second unit. You know, second unit came pretty much at the end specifically because, oh. you, yeah, no, no, it was not, not as much as we had in Jenna Jones and in other movies I've done second unit. But yeah, I mean, they did a great job and, you know, my friend Michael saw it and they basically did most of the scenes inside the, the you know, the big set where where all the visual effects happens with, you know, the conquistadors and all that. Every time the conquistadors show up, they really must help us with those shots. But uh, when we went to Hawaii, we didn't have a second unit. Well, we did a little one, but uh, not really much, no. I mean, a lot of those shots that you see also, you know, that are also done, you know, in 3D and visual effects. So there was not really this time a, a big one. Yeah, that's surprising to hear. But it, But even with the limited second unit that you had, just in general, what is the relationship between the director of photography and the second unit team? How, like, how do you divide that work? Maybe like, what is the second unit responsible for? Well, it's basically they don't do scenes in where the big cast is involved. So, you know, there's scenes in which, you know, not even the, the main cast is involved, then they pretty much do, and they do most of, most of the action as well. But, you know, it's a, it's a normal procedure. You know, they come, they, you know, you show them what you have done, you discuss, you know, the style of the movie. They, you know, they see the dailies with you and, and they get, you know, maybe storyboards or they get, it's, it's a normal procedure that happens, you know, between, between the director and the first unit, the director of second unit and the DPs as well, you know. In this case, Jauma pretty much directed most of the second unit as well in Jungle Cruise or supervises. But uh, as you know, as I said before, it was a different story than when I did Indiana Jones Four, where we were, you know, we were pretty much a crew as big as the first unit. You know, so it wasn't really a big second unit movie. This one, in, in particular, there is just a ton of action sequences in Jungle Cruise, and I, I certainly want to get to you know maybe one of your most favorite ones, one of the most challenging ones. But before we do that, I, I want to talk to you about kind of these more smaller, more intimate, um, more just dramatic dialogue scenes. And one in particular was kind of historic in a way in Jungle Cruise and getting quite a bit of buzz because one of the main characters comes out in, oh, yeah. <laughs> in the scene. And it's it's such a small scene, just a dialogue scene, beautifully shot, lighting's great, all of that. But it's such a it's it's a moment that's kind of unique for Disney films. And like I said, a character just basically comes out. They don't say the actual word gay, which is getting, you know, a little bit of pushback online. But the scene is there. 
the character is coming out. It's pretty direct. It's not implied at all. He's saying it. I think that's really remarkable for a Disney film. I think it's 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 kind of showing, you know, the natural progression of things in Disney films. And I think it's great. And I wanted yeah. to talk to you about I wanted to talk to you about of doing that scene, because when we bring on when we talk about to cinematographers on this show, oftentimes some of the more difficult and the biggest challenge that they face are in these kind of smaller scenes in a way, because there's so much attention being paid to everything because there's not a lot of camera movement. There's a lot of, not a lot of distraction. When you knew the scene was coming on and you're thinking about how to handle it, talk to me about the way you approached it. Um, I'm sure there were some sensitivities there in the content, but also it's an important moment in the film and in kind of Disney, the Disney cinematic universe as well. So mm. tell me about this scene and how you approached it. Well, first of all, that scene was shot actually in the tank. We built a little in the tank in Atlanta. You know, that's, that scene was so intimate, as you said, and so specific that normally would have done it maybe in Hawaii or maybe in some location, but we shot it. They built a little corner of the tank, a little kind of jungle. We designed it. And so no the, way. Yeah, it was shot on a tank. Yeah, yeah, and against blue, yeah. But, you know, we did it in the, in the right way that it looks um, as natural as it, you can't believe there were right by the Amazon River, no? But, you know, I think in all those scenes, I think, you know, the less you notice the camera and the less you notice the cinematography and the more honesty you are with, with trying to make it real and, and the much natural light kind of looks, I think the more they succeed. I think it's just pure cinema and you just let the characters, you know, you know, do their role and do them fantastic acting. You know, we didn't, we didn't really, not even, we didn't even move the camera. We didn't want to... M- we didn't really want to know that there was people filming that. So it was very basic kind of organic spot that we found that, you know, that that actually is pretty incredible was done in a tank, in a, in a tank against blue. <laughs> but I mean, oh, wow. the, I would have never guessed that. Yeah. I mean, to tell you the truth, you know, we went to Hawaii to shoot the first act, but the boat, the actual boat never went to Hawaii. So we had to shoot. Really? Yeah, we never went to Hawaii. So we had to shoot all later when we came back. No, and and so that was the, that was as I said, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible that I'm even amazed and thank you also to the visual effects team in Nyalem and all these people who did a great job as well. But we, I mean, we designed all you know all the hours of what time will be the boat be there, and, and so it was a lot of homework to do. So when we got to uh, to Atlanta, we had to put the sun. In the right place and in the right, you know, all was kind of a, kind of a, yeah, kind of like like a labyrinth at the end to figure out all these notes. And but at the end, you know, it works. At the end, you know, there was. um, I think the movie has a very organic look. And and my big challenge was to when people see it, never even thought that was done on on a tank, you know. I think you achieved it because there is it is very naturalistic. And that was one of the things watching the film, too. I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, you're doing a Disney film um, and oftentimes you can you can be set in these really like supernatural environments that don't have any grounding at all in reality. But Jungle Cruise is very much grounded in reality. Like you have to feel like you are in real places in the world. And that's got to be a challenge for you because it's so visual effects heavy um, you get so much action going on. There's things that, that are happening that could never happen in the real world, but placed in the real world. Um, oh, thank you. What sorts of challenges does that, you know, do you face when you're thinking about that? 
knowing that you have to create realism where realism really isn't there? <laughs> well, you know, it's a, to start with, it's, a, it's always taking risks, you know, because it's very easy to, to just suit in a very conservative way. And we are all tired of watching these big movies now. They're all against blue. And you just, from the very beginning, you feel you're in a video game. I have, yeah. to go to, I have to go to see those with my kids. And I'm always astonished. It's just, you know, like, there is never there anything that you identify with because at the end they shoot everything against green and then they put the place later and you are always like, you don't even know where you are because it's just a lot of actors, you know, they light them completely flat and everything is flat and they put all those backgrounds behind and they, and now it's, that's, is the, is, is what, 80% of these movies are now. So what we were trying to do completely different. We're trying to do like, like, you know, like try to, you know, have directional light and have, you know, the sun going from, you know, from the morning to, to noon to the afternoon and try to, well, basically to make the audience think that we actually went to the Amazon and went to Brazil. That was the whole idea. Sometimes, sometimes works, sometimes doesn't work so well. But in general, I think uh, we succeed a little bit here. Well, is there a particular scene that you looked at when you watched the film where you're like, that worked exactly the way that I hoped? Like, that was perfect. Yeah, there's one scene that was very hard to do and very difficult also to to convince everybody to do it, which is when we have a very, very low sun and they're going to eat the piranhas. And remember, they they fish the piranhas and they're going to eat it at night. Yeah. So it's, it's a very, very, you know, low light sunset that lasts for hour. So we shot that at two in the morning in the tank, at two in the morning at night in the tank. Because, yeah, so it was shot at night. And then I had to light, you know, with huge sun, side sun. And, and, we, and then that, that was very challenging because to convince everybody that we are going to do a, do a night a night shoot, of an afternoon or a sunset scene that was that was hard. But I think it came out pretty nice. It came out pretty nice and, and you really think you're in a boat, which is impossible because that hour of the day takes 20 to 30 minutes. And with this kind of cast, it's impossible to shoot a scene in 20 to 30 minutes, as you know. So that was very challenging, but I, I'm very, we were very proud of how it came out and how also, you know, as I said, the Disney, the visual effects companies and the supervisors and everybody just helped us and made it, all the plates look like like we were actually in the Amazon, you know, in, in sunset. Yeah. So I want to make sure I'm understanding you. This tank that you that you're shooting in is open air. This is not open. like in a studio. So you're in a water tank, right? In a parking is, lot. Uh, yeah, uh, in a parking lot. <laughs> okay. So you're in a parking lot in Atlanta, in a water tank, open air. So you don't have the luxuries of being in a studio and being able to control light the same way. So you have all the inconvenience of shooting outside, but all the pressures of shooting CGI, like, like, yeah. uh, um, you know, big, big type studio films. That's well, interesting. Yeah. Because I'm, uh, and, and I just want to make sure that that's clear to the listeners that aren't, you know, watching this or seeing references as they're, as they're hearing, like, like you, that's a really fine line to be balancing on to have to do so much of what seems to be in studio outside. Yeah. Well, the good thing about it is that we, we had, I had to design the, t- the tank. So we, we actually, we built the tank ourselves. So we went and we built the tank. So, you know, we, 
did the study of the sun and what was going to be at seven in the morning, at eight, at nine, at ten. So we we actually designed this, the tank in which we had the, you know all the possibilities of of shooting in the morning, these scenes, in the afternoon, these scenes, and at midday we would normally don't shoot big scenes. We'll shoot maybe you know much more portraits. But you know, yeah, we we were. We designed the whole movie pretty much on on a table, you know, on doing 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 homework, doing just planification. I said, okay, we we go to, we build the set in Hawaii. Also, thinking about the tank. So when the we actually built the whole city in Hawaii. So with Pusos, who was the production designer, also we built it around the sun. So when we had the boat, we'll wow. be around the sun. Yeah, it was like a, mostly like a mathematic mathematic idea. But you know, but took a long time. But you know, it came came out pretty nice. Came out pretty nice, and we most of the times, as, as I said, most of the times we succeed, and a lot of times we didn't. A lot of times was you know was too ambitious, or things happens with the schedule, or things happens with that, and 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 you can actually tell. I can actually tell which ones have been kind of mm, not as good as the other ones. But at the same time, when a budget like this, I mean, I we were actually designing how to build a village, you know. And how to build a tank, and how to build an interior in Hawaii. So yeah. there was a lot of, a lot of really fantastic things in there. You know, I don't think it's going to happen many times in your life. But yeah, we actually, you know, with Pusos and Jauma and production designer and Jauma and me, and we, we just actually figure out, you know, in which direction you're going to, you know, we are built a harbor. You know, for example, in this direction you're going to put the cantina or the cantina, the famous cantina where they proxima. So that yeah. was so was all as I said. It was a lot of specific prep and very leverage prep, and and you know that's that's the movie. What can how can can come come out? You know, but yeah. again, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, a lot of the interior, most of the interiors were shot in Atlanta, except the ones that were shot in in Hawaii, like the whole tavern, for example, the whole tavern, the whole background, of the tavern was the, the hotel. So we actually designed, you know, the window by window where it's gonna look behind, and oh and, wow, and they built it. They, 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 we're gonna build it this way, and they went and built it. So, I, as I said, I think it's never gonna happen again. But, yeah. but, but I was love fun. that. Was fun. I, I love mean, that. you know, it's huge constructions. I mean, the tank was huge, and it was hundred foot by sixty feet or something. So it was a huge I would tank. love to see pictures of that. I'm sure they're somewhere. If you oh, yeah. have any, you can share. That'd be awesome. Yeah, um, have some. Yeah, and we did. For example, we did tank at night. You know, we had all the all the all the submarine at night attacking, and the submarine was inside of a tank. And you know, the whole thing was over. You know, over 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 scale. I would say. You know, that is just so wild. That yeah. must have been just so much fun to just walk on set and know, like, my God, I'm working on a movie this big. This is crazy. <laughs> Well, that's how the movies used to be done. They used to be done like that. I mean, I, if you read about it, they used to be done like that. You know, uh, I saw it in a western. I saw it in a western town in Spain, Almeria, where all the spaghetti westerns were done, and and the whole village was designed by this fantastic Italian production designer. And you just put the camera, and it was all it was all there. You know what? You had the backlight, you had the main avenue, you have the tavern with early morning light, and and so this is was an old way of they used to make movies before the visual effects. <laughs> so you have to do them like that in order to, to use, you know, the whole day to, to be able to shoot, you know, from seven in the morning to seven at night without shadows and with all that stuff. So it's not that we have invented. This is how movies used to be done, you know. Let's take a moment and talk about MZ Empowering Filmmakers. 
Now, we talk about MZ on every episode, and for a couple of reasons. One, they're a sponsor of the show, but I love MZ. Like, it is the Netflix, to me, it's the Netflix of filmmaking education. And the thing is, too, it's like, there. yeah, there are a lot of different places that you can go to get online trainings and filmmaking education, blah, blah, blah. But MZ is is specific to educating filmmakers. And also it has a lot of really interesting courses that are perfect for the Go Creative Show audience. Um, things like, you know, directing, cinematography, color correction, editing, uh, post-production. And it's not just the subject matter that is why I love it so much. It's also the educators. Like, I'm the type of learner, first, I'm a visual learner. You know, I never was good in school and paying attention to teachers just blabbing away. That's not the type of uh, learning that's good for me. The type of learning that's good for me is engaging, good teachers, um, a lot of visuals to really hook into, and that's what you get at MZ. The teachers are, I mean, they're working in the industry at high levels. Vincent Lafrey, uh, Shane Hurlbut, Philip Bloom, the Ari Academy is on there. Tom Cross is the editor of La La Land and Whiplash. He does a course on the art and film, uh, art and technique of film editing. There's just so much stuff there. And it's taught by people that are professionals working in the industry at really high levels. Like, that's who you're learning from. Um, not to mention just the quality of the courses, just really high end because they're all filmmakers. You know what I mean? One of the most recent courses that is just awesome is called Indie Film Blueprint. And it's a roadmap basically for how to plan and shoot and sell your first indie feature, which is like, who doesn't want to know more about that? So it's perfect. Now, yes, you can go to MZ and you can buy individual courses and that's fine. But what I recommend is becoming an MZ Pro member because when you're an MZ Pro member, that is when you can really unlock all of its potential because you have access to everything. And that's really what it's all about is the more you can learn, the more valuable MZ is. And that's why the pro membership is the way to go. But the good news is, regardless of what you choose, you can get 20% off by using the promo code GCS. 20 GCS 20 at checkout. You'll get 20% off whether you buy an individual course or the MZ Pro membership. And how you get there is simple. GoCreativeShow.com forward slash MZ, M-Z-E-D, MZ, empowering filmmakers. There is even a nod to old cinema in Jungle Cruise because there's a couple of scenes where you incorporate like that, the video camera, that oh, crank yeah. video gotcha. camera. I'm curious, did, were you, did you actually use an old vintage camera for that? Or no. was that a little trick in post? No, no, no. We used the, we used the one camera, it was called the Blackmagic 2000, which is very similar to the size and to the actual form on this, on these cameras. It's like, a, they, call, they used to call it the box. I don't think this, they use it anymore, but, and we actually put a crank of it and crank it there. So actually, Duane, Duane did some of the scenes and Emily did some of the scenes. No way. Yeah, they shot some of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of times we helped them with an operator, but, you know, they were, um, there was the same kind of idea. You hold it here and you crank it. So we, we actually, in this digital new camera, the Black Magic, we put the crank and we did the whole thing. Oh, so, so that's, this wasn't something you made custom. This was the camera itself has a crank on it. No, 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 no. It's a digital camera. Yes. The, the, prob, the prob master adapted a little thing. Oh, I see, I see, I see, I see. Okay, so <laughs> digital camera, but you gave them the experience of having, yeah. of and they, cranking it. Yeah. Well, that probably was helpful because there's a certain movement that your body would make as you crank that, you yeah, know. Yeah, and, and also it's very similar to the ways they had back then. And, you know, and 
then it worked. No, I mean, at the end, you know, they got, Emily got, they got a little more tired, but they, they actually shot themselves a couple of times. The, the That's so actors. cool. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love those little scenes. They just bring a lot of bring a lot of humanity and just kind of like fun to the characters. And I think it's yeah. I think those moments are nice, especially in a movie like Jungle Cruise with so much action. And that's the next thing I want to talk about is the filming action scene. There is so much action in this movie. I mean, basically the first 35, 40 minutes is just nonstop. It's just a giant, crazy action scene. And I'm always amazed that these things can be done and done so well. And I think you guys did a great job in Jungle Cruise. Tell me which, I want to talk about your favorite. Maybe it's the most challenging scene. Maybe it's something that you just always wanted to do in your career and finally got to do it. But what is your favorite action sequence in Jungle Cruise? And tell me about it. Well, I mean, to clarify, you know, I mean, most of these uh, action scenes also were, you know, pretty much designed when this Jauma designed them, you know, I helped a lot, but Jauma and our stunt coordinator, they both, you know, most of them designed them and I helped as much as I could, but you know, the, you me and Jauma, we have been doing, you know, action movies. I, the stuff we have done most, we've done like four movies with Liam Nilsson also about action. And so I'm very used to shoot action uh, since, and I have a lot of fun doing it. You know, I rather, I always, I rather, I prefer basically to shoot action because I get less bored in a set when when, I, when you do like some kind of drama or comedy. And well, you know, the ones, the big scale ones, was the one done in in Hawaii, in which you had that you know that rope to go from one side to the other, and then they have the yeah. market and they have the boat. So that that required whole huge real estate to coordinate. You know, like like they go down from the market. We designed the market. That market where they fight also was designed by us. So we actually had the alleys to do this fight and see going up to the roof. Then they go down to the hotel. Then they jump into the, and then she doesn't jump. She takes the, the house called the, the rope and then she comes down. So those pretty much were the, the most fun ones, the ones in, in Hawaii, yeah, I have to say. Oh, yeah. Well, what, so you've done quite a bit of action, uh, action work, Jungle Cruise and, you know, prior. Um, what, what do you think is one of the biggest lessons you learned while doing action cinematography? Is this something that, like if there's somebody listening to the show right now that's aspiring to get into that type of cinematography, to, to do those types of films, what should they know beforehand? What are some lessons that you can well, teach us? I think one of the most important things is you have to have a, a clear point of view, who's a point of view for the action scene, because otherwise, you know, they get very boring. Like, you know, if you're if if you are your, your character, your lead character, and he's going through something like this, I think the most important thing is is to be with his eyes and what he sees and what he happens to him. So shoot them really subjectively, because otherwise, you know, I'm tired to see action scenes, action scenes, and you don't understand anything because you know there's no really non point of view in them. And I think the point of view of an action scene is what makes it really frighten it and really makes you make the audience actually leave it. And kind of, you know, feel about it, no? So, and I think also the other good thing about action scenes is to, from time to time, get a little bit humorous, a little bit joke, a little bit, you know, a little bit spicy in there, because also, otherwise also they become, I think, very, very boring and people are very tired of watching them. So I think those two are two ingredients that, that makes them more successful, I think. 
well, to, I mean, you would know you're you're an expert at this, and and also as I'm as I'm see now you're see now you're getting humble. Now you're humble. <laughs> no, because because some people you know other people like other stuff. You know, for example, I I I can watch more than four or five minutes of a fight, and, and some other people like to watch long fights. So yeah, so it's they, not they, your they, taste. There's a lot of different tastes and and and, and that I. But, you know, again, this all taste. And well, I mean, is this type of film your taste? Like, are you an action movie guy? Well, uh, no, I mean, not, I'm not, I mean, I shoot everything and I've done action, I've done action. But I think in this movie, I think the action. No, well, not shooting. I'm just your preference, like your personal preference of what you like to watch. No, not really. No, I, I watch everything. No, not really. I like dramas. And I, I think it's a very different thing to watch a good drama than to shoot it. If you're the yeah. DP, because when you shoot a drama, it's, I mean, it's boring. And when you shoot action, it's, very, it's a lot of fun, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I, I'd rather, if I have to be four months in a set, I'd rather have more fun doing action. But exactly. I, I'm not, I, I don't watch much action. But it's, one thing is to watch, the other thing is to be there, you know, 12 hours a day. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. For some reason, you know, it's, it's, it's more fun. It's actually more fun. Yeah. I want to talk about... Um the gear used for this film. What camera did you choose? Can uh, talk to me about the lens package you paired with it. Well, we shot the whole movie with the Lexus for sure. And as I said before, we 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 had a long, you know, a long test with Panavision because we decided to use um, suitable anamorphic lenses. And and as I, as I mentioned before, they they helped us a lot, and we. We kind of uh, did. They are basically they build the lenses for the movie, and they, they did new housings for them. As I said before, we we were using the C class, the old class, the Series C, and in on those Series C, we looked for the really warm coating ones, and we kind of take a, took away the blue coating ones. So, and then we, you know some of them we changed them, we had them a little bit more close focus. And yeah, that was all done from Panavis, you know, with that genius who's Sasaki, you know, that guy helped us a lot with that, helped us a lot with creating with the, the custom yeah. optics. Yeah, and we, and, we, and we had the budget and the money to go to do that, you know. It's not, yeah. I mean, it's not very cheap. <laughs> Did you test any other cameras? No, no, no. We went to that with Alexis from the beginning, yeah. Because, you knew right away. Were you using the. LFs or what? Which which ones? Were well, you back then, no. The, 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 we were using the old sensors because we, you know a movie like this requires so many bodies, so many cameras. That yeah. back then they couldn't they couldn't supply us with the new sensors, so we would, we would just we saw with the old ones, the smaller sensors. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I think a movie that happens all 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 in daytime, uh, in my opinion, you know, at the end of the all the highlights and, and all that kind of area. The, the Alexis, you know, are, are very, 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 very nice. Very, very nice. But yeah. And you, why the choice for anamorphic? I'm hearing more and more people have made the choice to shoot anamorphic and everybody has a different opinion of why and what it really gives you as a cinematographer by shooting anamorphic. Talk to me about that. Well, I don't know. I think, I mean, there are two factors. You know, one factor is you are doing really cinema in terms of cinema, cinema. So you go to the big screen, which less movies go now, but you're actually, you know, getting the quality of, of the big screen and you're 
doing a format that is not a streaming format, so you're fighting pretty much HD, and that makes the movie, I guess, a little bit different. And also because, as I said to you before, you know, I I grew up with these big, you know, panoramic movies and big panoramas, especially in the 70s, and I think it's a matter of nostalgia, I will say, right? Nostalgia to, to try to to, get, to do something similar to that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's, I think a movie like Jungle Cruise is, is perfect for that, you know, because, I mean, even though you are doing, as you said, little small romantic scenes, a little small, whatever, intimate scenes, the scope, you know, the scope of the place and the scope of, 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 of your shooting is, is always in there behind, you know. Yeah. What was your big break in the industry? Like, can you look back at one particular job that really broke the door open for you in filmmaking? Um, probably, well, you know, I come, I shot a lot of movies in Spain before I go into Los Angeles. And then I, I went to Los Angeles and shot movies also there. But probably I think it was a movie called Unknown. I did actually in Berlin with Liam Neeson, it was a thriller. And probably that was, that was the, the one that I started to get basically better jobs after, after that, you know. Yeah. Did you know. come up as like a camera assistant or? No. Yeah. No, what, no. What, what was your entry into production? How'd you start? No, I just, you know, I went to film school in Spain. And when I finished film in Spain, I applied for a scholarship to the AFI in Los Angeles. And I, I went straight from film school to film school to start shooting. I never, I never, you know, yeah. I never, really? I, yeah, that was it. Yeah. I did my projects in this and and. And I just start shooting. I never actually been an assistant or an operator. No. Did you ever, did you get into um, commercials, music videos, that oh, yeah. type of stuff? So is that, that seems to be where a lot of people begin and still go back to, you know, no, on I, occasion. I, no, I didn't begin that. No, I began doing movies. And then, and once I start doing movies, they start to call me to do commercials. But I started, wow. I started from the low budget movie up, you know, the low budget movie, yeah. shorts, low budget movie, all that, all that chain. Back in Spain, and then I came to the U.S. Um, with with all, all my experience of features in Spain. Is that? Do you think that is like? Would you recommend that path for new film students to just get out there and immediately start shooting and being a cinematographer, director of photography, versus like being an AC or you know joining different parts of the crew um, and kind of coming up the ranks that way? There doesn't seem to be like one clear pathway. Everybody has a different story, and I'm always interested in how people got there. Well, right now is the best moment. I mean, right now is if you don't do it, it's because you don't want to do it. Because when I did it, you, you have to shoot 35, and everything was so complex and so expensive. I mean, right now, you can buy a camera that costs $2,000, and you can shoot, you know, 6K, and you can just... so. Yeah. If there's a moment in, in history of filmmaking that is so easy to make a movie, it's, it's this one, you know. Before it was impossible. Before, you know, before even to do anything on 35 and the cost and the, and the, the little production that was going now is, now is I think, it's the, it's, the, it's the best moment that people, you know, it's the best opportunity they have in history, I think, to just yeah. go there and shoot because it's, it's very easy. Now, I've been I've been doing this show for, I don't know, eight years or so. And I've heard so many times, time and time again, you know, just just get out there, just start shooting, just start shooting. And it seems almost it seems so basic that it almost sounds like they're just 
you know, throwing the answer away and not really taking into a, they're not really thinking about it, but it really is true because you have the ability with the phone in your pocket to, to film something. I mean, it, 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 there's very little boundary to making something. There's certainly boundaries to being successful and getting into the right circles and doing, you know, large major feature films. There are boundaries for sure, but there's no boundary to create something, which I think is, we're in a unique time. Yeah, I, I, I have to say, you know, I've been very, very happy during my two film schools. I think that's one of my happiest moments in my life, I think. Basically because, I mean, first of all, you, you are surrounded with people with a lot of passion for film and people who just want to make films like you. And, and you don't have to work. You just have to make movies, and short movies. So I, I really learned a lot, and I'm very, very happy with both of my times in film school. So I, I would really recommend people to go to film schools because you are in a group where everybody, as, as I said, want to do one thing. They're very, you know, very young. They're very passionate. You and you will. Do it. Once you go back to the industry, you know that passion thing is not so. <laughs> so, not, not, not a lot of people make make movies with passion anymore. So I think you know that really. Ah, uh, yeah, of course, yeah. So I think that time I was very happy because you were making movies and the only thing you wanted to do is make movies and, and you know, so I, I recommend very much to go to film schools because for me it was, was, very, it was a very pleasant moment and also, you know, I learned a lot and I just came out making movies right after that. So I recommend film schools. If you can afford them, I recommend them, but if you cannot afford them, then we'll just go jump and, and try to do your thing, you know. Yeah, to kind of pave your own way. It's yeah. interesting to hear that you say that there's a lack of passion sometimes in kind of the higher level filmmaking. Um, I mean, I guess I'm not totally surprised by that. I think that w when you're younger and when you're hungry, there's a passion inevitably there. Um, but it's interesting to hear that hear you say that. I mean, do you think do you think that's why do you think that is? I'm curious. Well, I think you know this job, this profession. I think it's very, very hard. I think, you know, it's very, very difficult. It's very difficult to, to succeed. And, and, and also the conditions to work are getting harder and harder and the hours and the abuses and especially for cinematographers. So I think if you don't have the passion for it, I will do something else for sure. I think you need to have the passion to make a movie because there's nothing, I mean, otherwise you know, the, it gives you very little back, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a hard way of living and you're always away from your home and you're always going through these awful conditions and long hours and bad food and, and whatever. But I'm saying it can it, wear you down. I, yeah, I it wears you down. Yeah. Especially when you get older. But I think if you keep the passion going, then I think it's the only way to, and I can, I can, when I see a movie, I, I can always tell that it has been done with passion or not. I can tell right away because, mm. you know, and, well, and how you, can you tell? What do you see in it that makes you? <laughs> I'm curious. Well, no, something that I see the people behind the camera are are really passionate, or they you are just, just tell, or they are just you know, or they are just um, making some more money or buying whatever. Well, it's it, honestly, it's interesting you said that because I was reading a review of Jungle Cruise from um, uh, oh, what is it? I think Ebert. Um, oh my God, which one was it? Yeah, Roger Ebert. I was reading. I was reading a um, a review of it, and they had mentioned at the end of the review something. I, I wasn't prepared to talk about it, so I don't have the exact quote. But it was something to the effect of like, you know, the, the person reviewing could tell 
that the filmmakers were having a good time mm-hmm. with Jungle Cruise. And I thought that was a really interesting thing to to notice and to bring up. And now to hear you talk about kind of passion in filmmaking, it was just kind of an interesting synergy there. Mm-hmm. Well, again, did you have my... a good time? Were they yeah, right? Yeah, was I mean, the review we're... right? Uh, yeah, we had a good time. You know, we had a lot of a lot of problems as well, but like any other movie. But yeah, in general, of course, of course, of course, very good time. I mean, who, who couldn't be? No, we. I spent a year doing something that I always wanted to do in my life. So my whole life was reduced to do something that, as I said before, that you can actually have all the time and have all the tools to do what you creatively can, which is not very easy to have. We are, I love it, and we are very privileged to to suit it. I don't know, but I mean, it's, it's just. It's a big privilege, you know, to be involved in something this is big. Well, the movie is called Jungle Cruise. It's available now in theaters and also on Disney Plus uh, for an additional fee, I believe. I don't know all the odds and ends, so you have to check it out for yourself, but it's available is the point. And it's awesome, and you guys should definitely check it out. Just a fun summer movie that I know you guys would like, especially if you're a big action person. You are going to like this film for sure. And um, I'm thankful for you coming on the show today. Well, thank you, Ben. Uh, you know, whenever you want. Thank you very much. I appreciate the invitation. All right. I want to thank Flavio Labiano, the director of photography of Jungle Cruise, for coming on the show and talking to us today. It's a great conversation, and I'd love to hear what you guys think about it. So please leave comments wherever you are watching or listening to this and let me know. You can also hit us up on Instagram as well, at Go Creative Show. We are there as well as Facebook and Twitter and YouTube um, is where you can go to see our episodes. So if you're only listening and you want us and you really want to see us, you can go to YouTube and check it out there. If you do, please hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. We're on all your favorite podcast apps, so follow us there. And of course, you can also follow me at Ben Consoli, at Ben Consoli on Instagram and Twitter, although I'm more active on Instagram. I'm always posting um, you know, what I'm doing with my production company there as well as Go Creative Show stuff as well. I also want to thank Connor Crosby from ignitionvisuals.com. You can find him there. He mixes. He doesn't. He doesn't mix and master. He produces the show. So Connor produces the show, and you can find him at ignitionvisuals.com. But who mixes the show is somebody else. That's Dave Siegel over at seagullsound.com. So check out both those guys. They are for hire, and they are fantastic. All things Go Creative Show at gocreativeshow.com. Of course, I want to thank you all for joining us today. And we'll see you next week on another episode of the Go Creative Show, a podcast for filmmakers.